0: The volume. The sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee. that's R-E-N-E-E, So they know that I sent you disclaimer 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia gambling problem Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1 888 789 7777, or visit slash chat for Connecticut, 1 800 gambler, or visit slash rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1 770 stop for Louisiana, 1 800 270 for confidential help in Michigan, 1 8778 hope ny, or text hope ny for New York, Tennessee redline, 1 800 889 9789 and one 800 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to uh, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviations. Highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. When do we get to see you and Rhea Ripley together? Because you've got to play Shinsuke Nakamura to the ring. What a fucking moment that was, because not only does Shinsuke have like the best music and like the best entrance, but when you came out to play for him at WrestleMania, what was that like uh, three, four years ago? Because you and Rhea obviously would be a hell of a tandem. When do we get to see that? Oh, I would love that. Get me and Ash Costello out, Ash uh,
1: from New Year's Day, who actually sang her theme song. I would love that. Nothing would make me happier except maybe giving Becky a new shreddy Celtic invasion. I would very much enjoy that
0: too. All these moments. What was that like for you getting to play for uh, Shinsuke at WrestleMania? What was that day like for you?
1: You know, it was so surreal because this is another Joshism. You know, this is something that Josh really like willed into existence because we had no connections. We didn't know anybody at WWE higher up. You know, there was no like, hey, let me call up my friend and tell him this idea. Josh just sort of like got it in his head. He had this vision. He's like, you are going to play this song at WrestleMania in New Orleans. And I was like, OK, <laughs> like, you know, how are we? And like, and you talked about the doors being kicked down, and the door slamming in your face. I mean, like door after door after door. You know, we went through anybody that, you know, he could think of that he knew that had a connection in the wrestling industry.
0: Who was your in? Who Who was your in to kind of get in there?
1: We wound up getting to Neil Lowey, who is WWE, you know, you obviously know he's in charge of all the music at WWE. And it was literally to the point where we were like a week out from WrestleMania. And he was like, we need to book flights and a hotel. Like, and I was like, they didn't even text us back. Like, this is not happening. Like, can you just stop? He's like, no, something is going to happen. Like, and we need to already, we need to be there. And so when Neil finally called, he was like, Hey, so uh, are you available at this time? And you know, we don't have a, we don't have a lot of a budget. And I was like, I'm already going to be there. You don't need to give me a flight. You don't need to give me anything, maybe a hotel for the night of somewhere nearby. And he's like, done deal. You know, if we hadn't already had that flight, if we hadn't already been there, who knows, maybe they would have been like, you know what, this is too last minutes. We don't have a budget for flight, like, you know, we'll get you on the next one.
0: I had no idea that that's how that came together. You guys, like, manifested that. You didn't even manifest that shit. You just, like, made it happen. There were no no's.
1: Josh willed it into existence and he had this vision. And then when Neil called me on the phone, he described this vision of Josh's like exactly to a T like he was like, I have this idea like of you being in the middle and like him coming down. And like, it was just, it was a, it was a surreal out of body experience of a moment of like, this is so meant to be, this is exactly how it was supposed to happen. And if that's not proof, then I don't know what is.
0: It's one of those things where you see somebody, I'm like, oh, it's Nita. I mean, she's such a badass. You think that you'd just be able to be like, I'm gonna play this person's entrance this is what I'm doing. But to like know that you are still there grinding and making the things happen that that you want to happen and that Josh thinks should be happening, and just like showing up, getting the flights, being in the like you are setting yourself up for the success of like being in the right place at the right time, but like making damn sure that you're in that place when that call comes through.
1: Yeah, you know, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. It's one of my favorite quotes. And if that opportunity had not had come and we weren't
0: prepared, who knows what would have happened. As a non-guitar player, it seems complicated to play his entrance. How was like you were just learning this on your own, being like, hey, I'm going to know his song, obviously, in time to go in to play it. But like, what was learning his song like?
1: You know, the song is so catchy and uh, it's not... I would say easy per se, but like, it's so catchy. There's not a lot of fast notes. Like it's a, it's a melody that obviously everybody can sing and hum because everybody sings it all the time. The more difficult thing was sort of just adapting to a completely different vibe of performing, you know, to stand out there on the ramp, you know, with 70,000 people and millions and millions watching at home and have it be just me and this huge circle of camera people, which you're obviously very familiar with. It's an intimidating position to be in, you know, especially for the first time. And I remember standing there on the ramp and it was pitch black and, you know, they were doing a video package. I was waiting for the lead camera guy to go like this and point to me to start. But then I started getting really nervous because I was standing there for like a long time. I had not been announced. Nobody knows who the fuck I am in there. Like, are they even going to care? How's it going to be? And then out of the pitch black, I hear someone go, let's go Nita. Just like that one sort of act of like familiarity of like, okay, there's one, (laughs) one person here is excited to see me. (laughs) um, I don't have no idea who that person was. But if they are listening to the show right now, just know that you totally made my day. And you are probably the reason that that performance was as good as it was. Because it just sort of allowed me to settle back into my role and go like, Oh, yeah, this is what I do. It just sort of allowed me to get back into that mindset of like, I was so caught up in the unfamiliarity and so caught up in like, you know, we had done rehearsal and Vince had given me a bunch of notes. I wanted to make sure I hit them properly. And like, what kind
0: of notes did he give you? Vince notes can
1: be so specific. They were very specific, but very hard to understand. We ran it once. And he said, I love what you're doing. He said, but when the camera pans over your head, I want you to jump. And I was like, that sounds great. Absolutely. When does that happen? Cause I have no idea what's being seen on the monitors. Like, I don't know when the camera, like the above camera is doing that. He's like, when the camera goes over you. And I was like, Yeah, okay, I got it. But when does that happen in the song? And he's like, When the camera goes over you.
0: I was like, Okay, oh my God. <laughs> I can like so picture this happening in your I'm not gonna ask him a fourth <laughs> time. <you know? laughs> um, and then I asked Sue, I was like, What is he talking about? He's like I'll cue you. (laughs) Stu has saved my ass so many times Turn. I'm like, what are we doing? And I I, like get the cue from Stu. I'm like, thank God. So then we rehearsed it again. And
1: then I'm like, kind of like trying to look at the guitar and look at him. Like, what are we doing? And then when we did it and you guys watch it back, you'll see it's right when the song kicks in and he's like, I want you to jump. And then I was like, How do I jump like the incline?
0: (laughs) Imagine you bit it and you like fall down the whole ramp, which is like a mile long.
1: Bro, I fall down on stage all the time. Like, this is sort of my gimmick. Like, this is my everybody knows I trip and fall all the time. You know, like, I don't even drink, I don't even wear high heels. I, I, I eat shit all the time. So, like, I was like, okay, the only and like, I'm not a particularly high jumper compared to the wrestlers that you see who can like you know fly through the air like a freaking cats production you know so was like the only thing I could think of was to jump and then like land in this sort of like spider-man crouch
0: thing oh I I can see it I just pictured it yep
1: (laughs) so if you watch back you will see the jump happens the spider-man crouch lands the camera flies overhead and it was like when I watched it back I was like it's so interesting to see the mind of Vince McMahon at work because it was so much cooler than just a steady shot of me right there playing guitar. It was this really dramatic moment that he absolutely orchestrated from the absolute get go. It was really, really cool to to sort of be a part of that happening
0: that was so fun for me to just relive that with you because. I'm, for, I'm just like a huge Shinsuke Nakamura fan to begin with, but I remember being like, I want to get out there. I was dying to see you play as entrance when I knew that you were going to be there. And I don't get out there like in the crowd that often during a mania. but I was like, I have to see that in like, what a goosebumps, fucking awesome moment. So cool. WrestleMania is just the best. I love it.
1: WrestleMania, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced, you know, and I've played mm-hmm. to bigger crowds than that. But there is something really incredible about so many people from all over the world, all ages, all races, all sexes, coming together to experience something that everybody's so passionate about. You know, like I've played at Rock and Rio, let's say with Alice in Brazil, and you have 150,000 crazy Brazilian fans that love Alice Cooper and they're singing every word and like, that's amazing. And we love it. But people aren't coming from... Japan, Europe, Canada, America, like, you know, everybody, every single state, every single country sort of converges into WrestleMania for this experience. And it's just this like beautiful melting pot that can never be duplicated, I think, by any other industry.
0: Let's take things back to you here, because you talked about being 15 years old and going on your first tour. Are you like a workaholic?
1: Super workaholic. It comes, I think, from growing up in sports. You know, I grew up doing gymnastics. I remember my first gymnastics competition. I did rhythmic gymnastics. What a fucking sport that is. Totally. It's bizarre. You look back at it now with, you have the ribbon and the hoop and the ball and like juggling clubs and like all kinds of crazy
0: shit. I was watching it during the Olympics and I was like, are these girls for fucking real right now? Like, dude,
1: it's wild. So I did that from uh, basically the time that I could walk until I started playing guitar at 13. And my first competition, I was eight or nine and I had trained my ass off for years. And I went in like in the kids division and I swept the whole thing, gold medals across the board and the overall, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, you know, and then, uh, I had another competition a few months later and at that one I went in and I did not medal at all. And I went crying back to my coach and I was like, you know, what happened? She's like, you didn't work as hard. You got comfortable, and you didn't work as hard, and that's why you didn't win. If you want to win, you have to work the way you did for the first one. And I was eight or nine, and I was like, "Oh, the amount of work that you put in directly affects the result that you get." In so many words, I really credit that with the attitude that I continued on with, you know, for the entire rest of my life. Then getting into music, then practicing guitar and getting good at playing guitars. I don't like being bad at things. So I became obsessed with the guitar and I would take my guitar with me to school. You know, you have a 10 minute break between classes, you know, I would run to my next class and I would take the guitar and I'd play for five minutes and then I'd go into class and then I would sit, you know, I was a, a weird kid. I was a bit of a loner. I had a hard time making friends, you know, so I had my one or two friends and I would just sit on the bleachers with them at lunch and I would sit and play guitar. And, uh, I met, the you know, the members of my first band. We started doing little shows on weekends and stuff and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we won uh, a couple of Battle of the Bands and then got to do uh, an opening slot on a very small stage on Vans Warped Tour.
0: When you're a kid and Vans Warped Tour is coming through and you get to be on any one of those stages, holy shit, you feel like you've made
1: it. Totally. And and it was just the most incredible feeling, you know, and the funny part about it was, you know, looking back at it now as somebody who is now a main stage player, I remember playing on this small stage that folded out of the side of a semi, you know, and the drums would go inside the semi truck and then the stage was the other side of the semi. And I would look across, you know, the valley of the festival at the big stage and go like, someday I'm going to be up there. Someday I'm going to be up there. And now I have gotten to. And now, funny enough, how it all comes full circle, I'm starting, sort of starting over again as a solo artist and getting on these big festivals and now playing on the small stage again, sometimes on the same day as Alice. So, like, I'll play at 2 p.m. on the small stage in the tent and then I'll go change and then I'll come back at 10 p.m. and headline the big stage with Alice.
0: How different do you feel after walking off the stage of doing your own solo? Act versus going on and performing with Alice.
1: You know, there's an emotional connection to your own songs, always.
0: Which, by the way, you got me so good on April Fools, you little shit. <laughs> Got everybody <laughs> fucker oh it's
1: such a good one I never do April Fool's and I felt so good about it
0: you said she was like doing the vocals on like one of her albums I was like oh my god this psych, is so great no, I like, still hate April Fool's
1: losers. <laughs> Um <laughs> I felt very good about that April Fool's joke you know people are still falling for it to so this is now April what third and people are still coming I had to go back and edit post and say it was an April Fool's because people are like, do it. I can't wait to hear your voice. I'm like, psych, my voice is terrible.
0: (laughs) I feel like that can't be true, though, because even just talking to you, you sound like you have like a beautiful tone to your voice.
1: Thank you. You
0: know, honestly,
1: like I joke a lot about being a terrible singer. I'm not that bad. If I put a lot of effort and work into it, I feel like I could. I just don't want to. I love playing guitar. I love playing guitar so much. If I have an extra hour a day to put into something, I want to play guitar. I don't feel pressured by all the people telling me they'd rather hear me sing. Like, I want to play guitar. That's who I am as an artist. I have an opportunity to work with some of the best singers in the world. It's almost like egotistical feeling to be like, no, you know what? I could work with David Draymond of Disturbed, but instead I'm going to sing. Like, you know, why would I do that? I I
0: have this amazing opportunity. If you were to take a second to like showcase Nita playing guitar and singing, what would that song be? What's in the wheelhouse?
1: I don't even know what my range is. To be totally honest with you, like you know, I don't even sing enough. You know, like my my keyboard player cat and my solo band is my best friend in the whole world. We'll go to you know back in the day when I used to drink, we'd go to karaoke and like bang out some
0: Bon Jovi oh, and stuff. God, I like- love fucking nothing more than that. <laughs> Sounds great.
1: Yeah. And it was so fun. (laughs) But then also she's like a phenomenal singer. So like I always felt a little useless harmonizing with her because it's like, why do I even try? Because she's so incredible. (laughs) I'll
0: go grab another round. I got got the next round, You stay up there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fiona Apple and I will go get us some booze. (laughs) And now that there is no booze involved, I'm not doing it. (laughs) To
0: do karaoke sober? Hell no. Absolutely not. Welcome to my nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no thanks. Couple cocktails in, I will take that mic and put on a show, but otherwise, no way. Hey guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you, hello, hi, and... You love some combat sports? Well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix, only here on the Volume Podcast Network. And to continue thinking about wrestling gear really quickly, before we we move on from the wrestling gear talk, what is your Mount Rushmore of best gear of all time?
2: The gear that I made or just in general? In general. Top tier, number one, is Rey Mysterio's Spider-Man gear. Blue tights, the white stripes on the front with the Spider-Man mask and the the webbed uh, kick pads. I want to say Legion of Doom with the spikes. Simple, but just it's, I don't know. They really just, as a kid, that really like set my my brain on fire. They just look so awesome. Ultimate Warrior in yellow tights. I don't know why, it just stuck. One more... Uh, Sasha Banks, Eddie Guerrero gear. Because it was just a shot in the dark where I said, hey, I want you to wear a long tights here. And she was so apprehensive. So I ended up making, which was actually the last time we were in Dallas, which was WrestleMania 32. I ended up making her a pair of long tights and a pair of shorts because she wasn't sure what she wanted to do. She ended up going with the long tights and then wore the shorts, I think the next night on Raw. It was the first time where it was like that step out of the box moment okay, everybody's seen you in shorts and a top for all these years. Let's step out of the box, but still be you.
0: One final Sasha question for you. Uh, she just won the Women's Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania. What was that moment for you like? To be, I know you're like sitting there at your monitor, soaking in the whole thing to see her and Naomi get that win. What was that like for you uh, to see sort of the buildup to them securing those titles?
2: It honestly, it meant the world to see how much that girl puts into wrestling, how much love that she puts in, not just for herself, but in order to elevate other girls. Like to her, it's not its not just about her accomplishments. It's about bringing other girls with her so that they can collectively do this thing and change perception of what women's wrestling is. And, you know, there was always that crux in the back of everyone's mind. Like, oh, well, she always loses at WrestleMania. She always loses. All these first time ever is everything, but she's lost at WrestleMania. So to finally get that monkey off her back, was really good. Like I, I was, I was in my Brown suit. I ran down to gorilla, just waited just because it's like, yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. It's so it's, it really is cool to have those moments and you see your significant other to have those moments. And like, as much as it's obviously it's, it's their moment and they're putting in that work, but to be along the ride, with that person and getting that, like seeing that moment, it's, it just gives me like goosebumps. I mean, when I've been there with John, when he's had really cool moments like that, it's like when he won the WWE title, I'll never forget that of being like he, I had no idea it was happening. It did not know he was cashing in at money in the bank. And Kasama, one of the producers uh, at WWE, she was like, it was at the main event. She's like, you're going to be watching at a monitor. And I was like, I don't know. I was like busy doing something. She's like, you should probably go to a monitor. And I was like, wait, what? So I, like, Can run you, to I'm him. She spoiled
2: it.
0: <laughs> so i had to like, <laughs> I had to, like, run to, like, but I might not have seen it if she did not give me the heads up because I had no idea that it was happening. But uh, just to see that when, yeah, you kind of you wait in Gorilla for them to come back out and everybody's applauding them and to see all of the their peers and to have Vince stand up and, and to give the the applause. It's it's such a cool moment. It's awesome.
2: I love those type of moments in wrestling. Like on Sunday, we got done, show was getting over, we were packing up and getting ready to leave. We're in the hallway, we're walking, I'm standing by the monitor. And all of a sudden I just yell. Cause you know, Terry, if you guys watch Hall of Fame, Undertaker shouted her out. She's made everything Undertaker's ever worn. So she's been there for a long time and she's getting ready to leave, we're going. And all of a sudden I look at the camera, I'm like, Terry, Vince is in the ring, Vince is in the ring. And she comes running back and we're like, oh, he takes off his shirt. We're like, oh my God, he's jacked. What the hell? It literally was a, like, I was, my childhood was just coming up. I was so excited. I'm like,
0: this is amazing. The stunner. <laughs> I <was just> like, <laughs> I, my face um, hurt so much that, I mean, it was just such a great moment. And you see Austin laughing. It, <laughs> it was fantastic.
2: I was, I was talking to Austin Theory yesterday. And I was like, dude, your, your stunner sell like that, I, was, I was like, dude, I was like, I was like, that's bucket list. Taking a stunner. And he goes, exactly as a wrestler. There are those things that you just there in you're in the back of your mind. Like if I ever get a chance to do this and one is like taking a stunner from fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin.
0: How about Byron getting to get out there and take the stunner on night one? I was like, B sex out there just like selling like a motherfucker.
2: I know, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, I still," because I, I don't drink. I still taste the beer.
0: <laughs> I know. As soon as he went to take that, the, he's taking that sip of the beer. I was like, "Oh, here we go."
2: <laughs> uh, I was like, "How good of an so actor great. are you,
0: <laughs> He performed. He did it. Um, okay, your shoe that's coming out. The train just keeps moving for you. Mania was great. What a success. But now, yeah, I mean, here we go. We're moving on. You've got another shoe dropping with Deodora. What went into putting this shoe together? What's the story behind it? Uh, now knowing how much story you put into Wrestlers Gears, what do you put into this shoe?
2: The shoe that we have coming out this year is the same model as the one I did last year, the N9002. And I dubbed this project Be Seen. I actually have the shoe right here.
0: Yeah, they're beautiful.
2: Thank you so much. Again, just like last year, I tried to put a lot of effort into just telling a story with these shoes. So the big thing is, uh, again, last year we did like a half black, half white motif. And one of the things I learned about last year was that white gets dirty really, really fast. So this year I wanted to go with a more of a black motif. Uh, we want to add some wild colors to it. So that's why I went with the tie dye because I love tie dye. I tried to incorporate the infinity symbol and the puzzle piece in here because there are individuals uh, in the autistic community who connect with either or, or both. You know, I know some people prefer one over the other. My whole thought process behind that was you can't omit one person's story just because it doesn't align with your story.
0: Those are symbols for autism.
2: Yes. Those are symbols for autism. And you know, some people like, I mean, the puzzle piece has a storied history, not all good, but i I've talked to like individuals who really connect with it because you know growing up, they never saw that puzzle piece as a negative for them back in the day, it was always the idea that an autistic person was missing a piece, and that's why the puzzle piece was you know synonymous with it and like they, a lot of individuals took that as a negative and rightfully so They're, you're not missing a piece. you are a fully formed individual, but as talking to a lot of Autistic people. I've met a lot of them that said, no, like that piece, I, it wasn't about me missing a piece. It was the final piece. What I learned about autism when I figured out what I was like it was like that final piece of the puzzle. You know, I talk to families and they say, you know, my autistic child, they're not missing a piece. They're the final piece to this family. We would not be a family without them. And so when I started hearing those stories, I was like, okay, you can't leave that out. You can't disregard their, their experiences just because it doesn't align with yours. One thing I really love about this is on the tongue, we wrote awareness and acceptance. And those things actually glow in the dark, you know, along with the Diodora symbol on the side. So the, again, the tagline for this project is be seen. And the whole idea was the autistic community, autistic individuals, they, don't, they shouldn't be in the background. They shouldn't be pushed to the side. They should be front and center like everyone else. They deserve to be seen. One of the biggest things that I learned from last year is this year we incorporated uh, adaptive shoelaces in. What's that? Adaptive shoelaces are actually elastic shoelaces. Now, one thing I learned from, from Joshua, uh, Mercedes's brother, is he hates untying his shoes.
0: I'm with him on that.
2: Well, then you'll love this because of the adaptive laces. Once you tie the shoe, you can just slide your foot in and out without having to untie it.
0: Uh, how much did Joshua get to weigh in on the shoe?
2: He didn't get to weigh in that much. He just loves colors. So I literally, when I was fashioning the shoe, I, just, I had him in mind. I was like, what would Joshua like to wear? I, his shoes are always filthy. So that's why I went with the black. He loves crazy colors. He doesn't really care what color he's wearing. So I said, let's put all the colors on there so he can match everything.
0: Got to get that rainbow out there. Have all the colors mix and match. You can pick what you want to highlight. I love that.
2: We're doing a shirt working in conjunction with this company called Spectrum Designs out of Port Washington, New York. They're a company, they're a t-shirt printing company that specializes in hiring autistic individuals to work in their factory. And they work together with the Nicholas Center in Long Island. And the Nicholas Center is a place where they, uh, autistic individuals can go there. They can learn life skills. They can learn job skills to where one day they can eventually go out and be self-sufficient, can live on their own, can work. And then a lot of the individuals then get moved over to Spectrum Designs where everybody gets a paying wage. They have their own work day and they're not just doing menial pushing paperwork. They're working the presses. They're, you know, pushing everything through the heat t- tunnels and cutting out the, the patterns and all that.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool.
2: I took a tour there a couple months ago and it was absolutely amazing. But the shirt.
0: Oh, wow. That's so cool. And all the languages it says acceptance. Is that rainbow as well?
2: Yeah, it's, it's tie-dye.
0: It is, or yeah, I'm like, am I seeing that right? That's awesome. And it's in all different languages.
2: Yeah, so the whole idea is, again, they deserve to be seen. So I went with a very, re- a very simple font because I didn't want the message to be muddled. And then again, doing it with the whole, the different languages, it was no matter where you are in the world, you deserve to be seen. You deserve to be accepted.
0: So, how did this relationship with Diodora come about for you guys to work together? For you to really be uh, using your platform to, to bring more awareness to autism.
2: So uh Foot Locker would do the, like projects here and there with WWE. And one day backstage, I was talking to the, the Foot Locker rep, John, and we would just talk about wrestling and whatnot. And I had mentioned to him that, you know, I used to manage a foot action when I was in still in high school. And so we just started talking about that. And one day they had a project coming up where uh one of their managed store managers won a contest to design a shoe and he wanted to do a wrestling shoe. He wanted to do a shoe with Sasha Banks. So he was, John was like, hey, I can actually, uh, I think I can make that happen.
0: That was the gold one, right?
2: No, that was, so that was Mercedes' first shoe. That was a FIBA. The Puma, the Puma was like a year after and that one was a small one. We did about 60 pairs, but those sold out in like 18 minutes. So then uh, one of the things I had told, uh, john because his son is autistic and then mercedes brother joshua is autistic so i mentioned that you know she has an autistic brother and stuff like that so when this project with deodora came up last year he hit me up and was like hey you want to take a crack at designing the shoe because you have a connection with autism i was like i was like yeah hell yeah like i'm a sneakerhead, and you're giving me a chance like that's i'm game let's go and last year's project went like gangbusters, it's sold out. It was amazing. We only did like a 200 pair run. So this year we're coming back with 10, 20 times more.
0: Wow. Good for you. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. And the goal, the whole, the goal is if this project goes great again, then again, we come back next year with an even bigger project yes. that we can encapsulate more charities. Like uh, because of this project this year, we're actually donating. $25,000 to the Flutie Foundation.
0: Yes. Hell yeah. Represent.
2: As a Canadian, Doug Flutie, but like, yeah, so we're doing that. And the Flutie Foundation has been an amazing partner for, for just the resources they've have given me. This year, I went and ran their 5k and I plan on doing that every year.
0: Where do they do that?
2: Uh, they do it up in Natick, Massachusetts. He is a, you know, a former Patriot. So I had to go up there and be like, I got to represent, <laughs> you know, the base state. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, yeah, they've been an amazing, amazing partner. And we actually, with all this going on, the one really, really cool thing we're doing is uh, we have this autistic individual named Ben Rosloff. He lives in Long, Long Island. Amazing, amazing kid. And he's actually shot a documentary for the creation of this shoe, for the creation of the shirt. And he's, he shot it. He edited it himself. He's doing all these animations and graphics for it. And it's going to get released, I think, the day before the shoe drop, which is, you know, I'll let it out right now. The shoe comes out April 13th. Woo! Footlocker.com, champsports.com. And again, this is Bucket List, in Footlocker stores. So you can actually go into a store and pick it up.
0: That's so cool. Dude, you're crushing it. Like crushing it with the cause. It's so cool. I'm so like proud of you and happy for you that you've been able to like take this opportunity and it just keeps growing and there's so much good behind it.
2: Again, this is getting released in April during Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month. But my whole goal is to give something to the autistic community that can spark a conversation so that we can talk about autism throughout the whole year, not just during this month. I It's just one of those things where I hate when everything is front and center and everybody, you know, they, they pull out all their decorations. And for the month, they're you know spewing all this. Hey, we, we accept this. We accept that. This is what we're doing. And then after, once May 1st hits, it all goes back in the closet. Like, no, wear this all years. Keep that conversation going.
0: Absolutely. Keep the conversation going. So April 13th, the shoe is dropping.
2: Footlocker.com, champsports.com, and in Footlockers and Champ Sports stores.
0: Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there, and you can see us talking Having this interview, having a hangout, it's all up on there. um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there and jump in the comment section, you know, jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all, reading about them. Maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism. If you had it, we're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.